Hey, welcome to Earthside Birth Podcast. I'm Sarah Mori, one of the co-owners of Earthside Birth and Wellness here in Cheyenne, Wyoming. And today I'm joined with my co-business partner, Allison Hayek. Hey, Sarah. How's it going? Good, good. Happy to be here. We have been in a day-long meeting together since Allison now lives out of the city. And so when we get together, we just talk business and... We thought we'd like to podcast today a little bit about the beginning story of Earthside and how it came to be. So Sarah and I met in my bedroom when I was about two days postpartum, maybe less. I don't even remember to within that range with my first daughter born at home, just um, starting to get breastfeeding established. My home birth midwife at the time recommended Sarah for some lactation support. So a stranger walked into my postpartum bedroom at two days, two days postpartum and helped me with breastfeeding with Eliza. And we realized we had a bunch of shared interests between birth work. I was a childbirth doula, had been involved in the professional community in Cheyenne. Uh, a shared interest in real estate and just kind of business ownership. Yeah, I remember getting invited to help you with breastfeeding and we got to chatting and you started asking me questions about being a doula and you're like, I'm kind of, I'm more interested in that. And then we started talking more about how you guys did a lot of real estate and I was running Airbnbs. So we like, oh yeah, let's talk more. And then I think I noticed an Ironman Right, Sticker. shared um, endurance yeah. endurance sports <laughs> yes. activities, right. So uh, gluttons for punishment. Yeah. Some shared. We should always have a connection there. Foreshadowing. Oh I my think. gosh. <laughs> Iron Man business ownership. Right. And so throughout the next months, um, we kind of formed a friendship. I think we did some play dates yeah. and got together and tried to talk dueling. And at the time... Man, how old is Eliza now? She's almost four. Okay. So I had been in Cheyenne about three years and mm. kind of hadn't done a ton of birth work in Cheyenne. The The things I had done were just kind of like if someone had heard of me like or recommended me like Carol. And so I wasn't really super involved anymore, but still doing my thing and I had gotten involved more on a networking and professional side I wanted I always want to know who's who Uh, I want to know who does what so that I can connect people so that I can offer resources and so I had always been involved in a casual birth professionals meetup even from when I first moved to Cheyenne yeah same in 2017 um and so then as as I got through first year of motherhood, as pandemic wound down a little bit, we started having, birth, I kind of revived the birth professionals meetup in Cheyenne. And so that I started hosting those at my house. So we had a gathering of other doulas, childbirth eds, a student midwife sitting around my kitchen table. Mm-hmm. This was in May of 2022. Yeah. So a couple years down the road, we both kind of were doing our things, kept in touch a little bit. I know you had been part of the birth workers world, and I was like, well, Cheyenne's so much bigger. I'd come from Laramie, which was a much smaller community that I was really plugged into the birth work. But I think for me, too, over the pandemic, I was like, it mm-hmm. kind of reignited mm-hmm. some of my mm-hmm. enthusiasm. Like mm-hmm. I had let even my right. lactation 
certification go. I was like, you know, I should really keep that going because I do like to do that. I was still helping with breastfeeding. And thanks to the pandemic, that class went online. So it was much easier to find the workshop, that kind of thing. And so I know you had invited me to a couple doula nights or birth workers. And I think the it wasn't super on my radar, but started hanging, finally went to one or two. And um, yeah, so in, I bet it was, was it May? It was in May. Well, it might have been April. April mm-hmm. or May of, of 22, one of the two. So new to the group of Cheyenne, and we were just sitting around talking about just the birth culture, I guess, in Cheyenne and hearing the other doulas that were more active in our community and another student midwife. And I had at one time been a student midwife and it just hit me really hard that we were sharing the same stories that I had been experiencing for the past decade whether it was Cheyenne or Laramie, it's like, oh my gosh, this is still happening. We're still running into the same issues. And that was what, like, what would you describe as a lot of issues? What were the issues? Well, for me, it was lack of hospital-based midwifery care combined with limited access to other home birth midwife options. Mm -hmm. So I... I would characterize the problem as lack of structured support of physiologic birth, whether that was happening in the hospital, there simply wasn't the support for it. There weren't the care providers that were, that cared about it. And then to get a home birth midwife was very challenging. And I was, I was able to do that in two separate situations, but I knew, I knew the lengths of finances, time, energy, travel, research that I had to go through to find those options and so to me that was part of the problem of that there weren't more accessible midwives in Cheyenne right yeah and for me like we kind of have two different generations of kiddos but it was it spanned the same my fourth was born at home but I had to hire a midwife out of Colorado your midwives have been both out of Colorado Yep. yep um and so And then for me, when I was a student midwife, finding midwives to study under was a huge thing. And I was pretty lucky because at the time I had studied under Carol. Jonah was another one that was um, really helpful. And then there were a few scattered here and there. At this particular meeting, um, there was a student midwife there. And she was kind of having the same struggles of like, how am I going to get the birth numbers what if I'm working with people that, um, you know, I'm not necessarily like totally on board with how they're practicing or the, the really, the ones that were covering our area were one retired Carol. Yeah. And then the ones that were existing being stretched too thin. Right. And one perpetual problem we've both seen over the past couple of decades of ever since home birth midwifery became re-legalized in our state it's just very hard to access those midwives and they it's a self-limiting problem because they can only cover so many miles so say for instance one midwife might be living in laramie 
she might have someone do in Rollins, which is 100 miles from Laramie, and then another one do 100 miles on the other side of Laramie. And so that midwife can only take two or three births a month without totally burning out. Even still, that's a lot of travel time. You're having to kind of try to get clients at least to come to your place for prenatal care, mm-hmm. but then doing the birth at their home, mm-hmm. the postpartum visits at their home. Mm-hmm. You know, you and I both experienced, like, I was traveling for my home birth midwife. It was a little over an hour each mm-hmm. way to mm-hmm. do my prenatals, which, you know, when it's once a month Oof. is okay. When it's twice a month, a little trickier when it's January and you're going every week <laughs> and you have little ones in tow. I did I did 45 minutes which wasn't bad the first time but an hour and a half with a three-year-old was a lot less fun the second time. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so we were sitting around the kitchen table kind of lamenting like how we have limited midwives in our area. We have definitely people interested in becoming midwives mm-hmm. in our area but then they can't study. And when I was a student midwife, that was becoming one of the problems was like, even if I could find the midwives to study under, we weren't getting enough births to be able to qualify me in time without it taking years and years. And for me, my big issue was like, you know, home birth midwives, we do low risk, healthy women. So we rarely have to use emergency skills. But you have to be really good at emergency skills. (laughs) So how do you train somebody to be super good at giving an IV in an emergency situation when you might only be witnessing the midwife you're working with doing it once a year? And even then, that's not the time she's going to be like, here's your chance to practice. You know, so it just was like this, this isn't working. And... Our local hospital um, didn't hire midwives anymore. Didn't have any midwives at that time a year ago. Yeah, and haven't any, don't now, and haven't had any previous, any recently. Yeah. And so I went away from this meeting, and I was like, huh, this is the same story over 10 years. And Cheyenne's a fairly big community. And what really got to me was hearing the student midwife in tears at your table of like, I want to do this so bad. This is what I'm called to do. Yeah. I can't figure out how to do it. Right. And maybe this was me like people like, (laughs) like I'll just fix that for you. (laughs) And I went home and thought about it and it was probably maybe less than a week later. And I text Allison and another friend of ours. And I was like, I have an idea. There will be a PowerPoint. (laughs) Can you come to my office on Friday at nine? And they're both like, "Of course, like, sign me up." If there's a PowerPoint, I'm I'm there. I'll build a spreadsheet afterwards. <laughs> right? You're like, "Do you need a spreadsheet? I can make one for you." <laughs> so Allison and Danielle came to my office, and I think their thought was like, "Doula collective." Yeah, was my doula. only like okay. guess. And I kind of ticked off the the problem. And some potential solutions of like, can we convince a hospital to hire a midwife? Like that. Looking back, that would have been a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure why we didn't pursue that angle a little bit harder. <laughs> We're like, no, that's too hard. <laughs> that's not hard enough. <laughs> yeah, that's. 
Why do a 5K when you can do an Ironman? <laughs> an Ironman. <laughs> the other option is like, can we attract a lot of home birth midwives to our area to solve the problem? And we kind of figured out, well, no, because we're perpetually, it's a perpetual problem, right? They move to the area, they get burned out. If they're working solo, they're so prone to getting burnt out. Right. And if they're, especially if they're covering large distances. Yeah. And then they move on and... The second a home birth midwife moves on, her practice is done. So you're not building a practice. You're solo. And so for my finale, I'm like, well, why don't we bring midwives here to a birth center? (laughs) And none of us... I had toured a birth center. None of us had ever given birth. I had never seen a birth center. Supported a client in a birth center. (laughs) We've heard of them. Really never knew anything about birth centers. Like, I think we can make one here. There's never been a birth center in Wyoming, but why don't we? I didn't realize this podcast would be so funny. I think the spirit was, how hard can it be? Yeah, sure. I'm the idea person, so I mean, just... Yeah. No. I think instantly... Um... Well, we knew that there was the we knew that there was the space in the market and we knew from our childbirth clients, our mom relationships, our social relationships, we know that there's a desire for these services in Cheyenne and we know that nobody else is providing them. Yeah. And I think like we both we all had the heart of like why? Like this is needed. Midwifery care is needed. It's totally lacking. We'd all experienced it directly. We'd experienced quality home birth setting and hospital setting midwifery care in all different forms. Yeah. And what attracted me to the birth center idea was that we could build a practice that can outlive a single person. And again, like seeing those great midwives that came to the area, served the area for several years... And then went off, like, had their own families or retired. And then it's just over. Like, how can we build a center where maybe midwives come in like that and leave, but this center's always there. I think my, to sum it up, my why of a birth center model is two-prong for the current midwives and for future midwives. Mm -hmm. How can we run a business that would offer a sustainable work-life mix. I won't call it a balance, a mix. Yes. A work-life mix for the current midwives on staff. You need a team of at least two, three, four to make that work. And then the second prong being future midwives of if we want you know, more midwives, we want continu- continuous midwife coverage in Cheyenne as well as in other across the country there's midwife shortages so you know either just in Cheyenne or Wyoming how could we also be a part of the solution of training new midwives yeah in a timely timely manner and a reasonable travel burden yeah so there were a lot of positives and I think we both instantly felt the why of like we need to do this I know you took a lot of time to think about whether you which I really appreciated (laughs) because I'm like uh I'm in and I'm not looking back. And then later I'm like, why did I do this? <laughs> Which still happened. 
<laughs> but, and I'm the opposite. I'm a strong maybe until yes. I can until I can commit one way or the other, and then I'm pretty much all in. Well, and what encouraged me was like, no one was like, oh, I don't know. Even you were, even though it was a strong maybe, you're like, I think so, but I want to yeah. be sure I can commit. That I would have the bandwidth for it, and that's my... So you're the only one who had any kind of foresight to think through. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. I knew this was going to be challenging. <laughs> you're like, I was totally right. <laughs> so quickly after those, yeah. a few weeks of after my presentation that... Yeah. Um, yeah, by July, I said I was in. Yeah. It was July. And our business model, like, we wanted to approach it from several facets of, like, not just providing this much-needed midwifery care for the community, but how can we build the business that's sustainable, that will outlast us, that people want to work for us. Right. And doing it the first out of the gate, like, no yeah. one in Wyoming has done this. Um, it was possible to get licensing, but it has not been done yet. And I think we'll talk about kind of our business journey and just weaving in, like keeping committed to the why. Um, I think our biggest learning curve is the business end of it. When mm -hmm. you say, mm -hmm. I feel like I still am pretty knowledgeable on the birth side of things mm -hmm. and how, like the like, clinical side, you mean? Yeah. What, okay. what clients need, what, sure how do we add this? How would we add that? But yeah, I think the learning curve for both of us has been on the business side, things like payroll and HR, and then the building journey. I think that's maybe the next spot right. to cover kind of the high level of our building journey that we spent about, I'd say the next six months from July of last year, about six months kind of aiming for the how could we get into a big glitzy, bit glitzy mm -hmm. space that we could renovate to our birth center standards right away? And like, no, no, we don't have a midwife, but no, don't worry about that. We'll just, that'll just, no, it'll, it'll just happen. If you build no it, they will come. The midwives will come. Well, we ran into this catch 22 <clears throat> yeah. of like, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling it now, but especially in the beginning of like what, everything's the most important, right? right? You can't hire a midwife until we have a place for her to, operate yeah. and we can't operate without a midwife yeah. and we can't you know license it without this and so it just was it's been just an untangling huge giant puzzle yeah for me that so feels we, like of like every day like what's the little baby step that we've unraveled that ball of yarn a little bit a little bit more yeah and you kind of touched on like you know, you want to, even as a business or a birth center or whatever, start with, like, the what if. Like, the yeah. $2 million dream. Right. Right? If someone could just... <laughs> and that is still... You know, we are asking if you are out there <laughs> with $2 million. We still could use it. But starting from there. Yeah. And then working backwards. Then we really jump to the other end of what are the most accessible, least barrier to entry services that we could start mm -hmm. and so we started with mom's groups that i had been kind of running and so just brought that under the umbrella of the birth center so some breastfeeding support mom's groups as well as classes just to kind of like childbirth ed classes just to kind of get you know a little bit of our name out there some that we were operating in this space 
and that we decided we could have a low we had a low barrier entry location that we could start with Mm -hmm. yeah so starting with classes like one thing that we wanted to offer with our birth center is kind of eventually a one-stop shop of like that is what where anyone can take classes you can Mm -hmm. meet other moms Mm -hmm. you can get resources um and so starting from yeah let's open up our homes to Mm -hmm. groups to do classes for anybody and that did help us get start advertising our Mm -hmm. name while we were yeah midwife yes advertising i think had been doing very casual midwife searching through the end of the year 22 then in january of 23 we did job postings on Mm -hmm. two of the midwife hubs and we got a lead we did we got a couple we got a couple leads at first right yeah yeah and that's a challenge too of like how do you find someone who's willing to start from scratch right. of like a we're going to we're yeah. going to hire you we don't have a business yet you are our business you are our business <laughs> and would you like to move to Cheyenne Wyoming <laughs> Because I think we already yeah. had scoured the area, yeah. right? Because yeah, we certainly like, started with anybody in our network that we knew. We was, did find a few hiding midwives. We did, yeah. Um, and if you're listening and still hiding, please contact us. Yes. <laughs> we know you're out there. We know you're waiting to to wait until we are in our two two million dollar shiny building. But yeah, but then we got a couple solid leads, and the one especially that ended up being our first hire, our first midwife. So that gave us some renewed energy come February, March, when we had our first midwife, Kim, on the radar. Yeah. And she was just like, I called her like this unicorn that did fall into our laps and fit what we needed exactly. Like, she wanted out of her current system. She wanted something different. She knew instantly that we were a startup. I feel like she did understand, like, where we were at and not like, oh, you promised me... I was walking to this established practice. She knew we weren't. She knew it would be a lot of work even on her end of, you know, we're going to have to start writing policies and procedures and figuring things out as we go. Um, But we, what really attracted us to her too was um, one of the things she said in their interview was like, I want to change the world. Mm Mm-hmm. And just wanting to do something different Mm -hmm. and finding that energy Mm -hmm. of a very experienced midwife too. Yeah. You know, because it's, I think the younger crowd is. Or might be more ideological. Right. They're like, yeah, I'll do that. And then I didn't realize it was this much work or I don't have this much experience. And Kim's extremely experienced. Um. So that was a huge, like, yeah. exciting and scary. Then we had something to build around, right? So right. If once we had a first midwife on the radar, we could build a timeline of when she could start, coordinate the location to have clinic space there. So we brought her on and started, you know, essentially open clinic doors for services on May 1st of mm-hmm. t- this year, 23. And what really also helped boost us was getting a grant from the state for interns that helped pay for some social media interns, an office intern, and some of the mid- midwifery pay mm-hmm. that helped us mm-hmm. be able yeah, to yeah. start. start. And that, you know, even when 
Okay, then we had a, a midwife hire. We're like, great. <laughs> and where do we put her? Right. <laughs> so. We yeah, have- we opened clinic doors for prenatal clients. We set a timeline of um, initially mid-August. I know that moved. Or initially mid-September. Started mid-September. And then we can move back to August. But we're able to start offering prenatal clients then. Um I had a second baby at home on May yeah. 29th. Broke the first rule of our business agreement. Was no babies for the first year. And how many, how many weeks later? It didn't take long before Sarah <laughs> got like, the uh, got the update got the announcement. Text. Basically, you were like, "Oh, ba- baby!" Oh, you said, "Don't do that." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> So I call her, uh, she's affectionately the birth cent- first birth center baby, or maybe the business business birth yes. center baby. She, she's been on the same timeline. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then <clears throat> I think just over the summer of this year has been, um, um, yeah, just opening up services, kind of gauging initial client interest, getting our name out there and marketing efforts and community efforts, community events, um, continuing to offer services, tweak locations, tweak services. Yeah, right now the the big thing we're looking forward to is, you know, we're operating in a temporary facility right now. Yes. It's a very cute little studio. Yes. I think people love the vibe the of homey. it. Yeah. Um, but it's just very temporary because Yep. We need more space. It and doesn't. It doesn't match our long-term vision of being that one-stop shop. Of being, you know, having an active clinic experience where you come in for your prenatals. You have somebody to greet you. You see the midwife. You have the exit staff. You have a play pay, play space for kids, and then a community space. There, yeah. A community space for. Family yoga and prenatal yoga and childbirth ed classes and mom meetups and mom's night mom nights out. Yeah, but I think a big thing that I have to remind myself is like, like how we've been able to, even though it's not the grand scheme of like, sure, if we had unlimited funds and this was we could just open this business right yeah. away tomorrow. Yeah. How it's managed to work one little step at a time of like. Now, being in this temporary space has allowed us to take on clients, right. to build the the clientele and to build that community t- to get us to the next little step and then the next little step and starting to talk about, like, yeah, then being in a facility that we can get licensed instantly and how all these little pieces, like, as frustrating as they can be sometimes and, like, ah, what are we doing Every day it's moving forward. And really, the most important piece. Let's talk about the birth tubs. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You can't have a water birth in our temporary space, and it's amazing. So we at least were able to start with the pop-up birth tubs in our temporary space. Mm -hmm. And then now as we're scoping out buildings, looking at birth tubs, it's probably like one of the best things about being a startup birth center right looking yeah. at birth tubs and choosing, yeah. and choosing choosing. One. <laughs> I mean who would think even the choice of what birth tub to put in would be so much complicated work, complicated <laughs> but reading the forums on the midwifery pages of 
who hates this tub and what this tub did and ordering one online and realizing it's not deep enough and and oh i didn't realize birth tubs cost ten thousand dollars because i figured we just go to lowe's and pick one up for a grand and right be good to go but yeah so i think that's kind of keeping everyone up to speed because we really want to be open about our journey and and celebrating how far we've come Mm. and and figuring out these next steps and kind of going back to the like what we've learned in business (laughs) we were just joking earlier that if you want to start a business starting a birth center is not like a beginner type not beginner level business (laughs) I think that was I mean it's not shocking to me I knew it would be a lot of components but I think learning on the business end has been like the most and right now I have a whiteboard on my wall with seven or 12 buckets of things to be thinking about every day and just realizing like that probably will never go away yeah right what were your previous businesses what's your what were your previous business ventures to this oh I've had quite I know (laughs) it's it's relevant tell us on quick glance so I had been a stay-at-home mom for 20 years I have five children you know full-time stay-at-home mom but if you're a stay-at-home mom you know you need to do something (laughs) So we've got a complex, like, oh, because being a stay-at-home mom is not enough. Yeah, I don't, is it a complex? Is it, I think. Or is it just a drive? We should do a podcast on that because I do think there's a lot of pressure, like, you're just a Mm -hmm. stay-at-home mom. Mm -hmm. What are you doing? But also, like, then we have our own message of, like, what's my identity anymore? So I don't, let's see, my 18-year-old was a little guy. I think one of my first businesses, well, when I was 10, I had a detective agency. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Shout out to Cousin Adam. We solved quite a few cases. (laughs) Whether people paid us to or not, we we were on it. Um, So I think I've always been an entrepreneur. Um, And then when, yeah, my 18-year-old, I had a couple little guys. I started making baby onesies Mm. that had breastfeeding slogans. Mm -hmm. And it was Mm. right before that was always, like, Mm. a big thing now. So it was, like, cute little Mm -hmm. um, thing. Just a bunch of different, like, I love mama's milk. I'm a breast man myself. (laughs) (laughs) Probably, I was thinking about that shirt. I'm like, that probably didn't age well. But it was super funny 18 years ago. Um, So I actually, like, yeah, I mean, I was doing it because I wanted to do something and ended up selling the little company. Um, Hmm. Did that for a while. And then I became, like, interested in nutrition. And then after the birth of – I had a couple natural births, and I started getting interested in teaching childbirth education. So I – eventually certified in that and one of the qualifications to doing that was attending a couple births and just yesterday 13 years ago on my Facebook was like I just came from my first birth and I'm addicted I want to go to all the births (laughs) so becoming a doula and then my own personal struggles through breastfeeding with my first had me very interested in helping other people with breastfeeding and so getting that certification 
And so for the past 10, 15 years, just kind of dabbling in like breastfeeding consulting or nutrition consulting or being a doula. And it's been very low key, like, you know, a couple a month placenta encapsulation. You know, if you catch me most days, I'm like, I'm just over here cooking a placenta. <laughs> so I thought I'd call. So that, and then I guess my other business ventures is like mm. Airbnb. Yeah. Um, I had been an Airbnb host for about the same amount of time, 12 years or so. Mm. Oh. I really like that hosting. You know, it's kind of one of those mm -hmm. You love people, mm -hmm. and sometimes you hate the people. You're mm -hmm. like, I, what? Yeah. I don't want to talk to people anymore. Yeah. But yeah, um, and just kind of, I feel like a little bit of this birth center is like, as challenging it's, as it's been, it's also a culmination of a lot of my skills that I've learned through being a stay-at-home mom, whether it's management oh. <laughs> of five little people, often on my own. Some hosting, some, you know, customer service, consulting, taking that knowledge base of being a student midwife, being a doula, I know the birth world, I know how to operate it, so even though I'm not yeah. a midwife, yeah. I know what we need to be doing, right. so right. that's kind of my background. How about you? <clears throat> I bring this up just because business experience, there's kind of these statistics, I don't know, rule of thumb tossed around that like takes 10 business ventures before you really hit oh. on a successful one. Okay, so I'm just, about there. I was just counting that like between the two of us, we're for sure at 10. So I'll call babysitting through high school and college mm -hmm. a bit of an entrepreneur journey. Then the first real one was Cheyenne Pet Sitters, LLC. Oh. That was, um, I don't, it, the domain is no longer active. Unless, okay. um, .com, unless somebody else took it over. Um, yep, so my husband and I did some pet sitting when we moved to Cheyenne in 2017. And then um, moved into real estate soon after that. So then that's where the bulk of my business experience has been. And then a uh, birth business um, where I <laughs> very casually offer doula services. I'm kind of a learning junk. I am a learning junkie. Mm -hmm. So mostly the business was a front for all my education right expenses oh, sure. so i did a childbirth yeah we'll, we can cover that on another, another day but yeah a birth um a birth services business and then now so this makes this makes kind of my fourth official business venture okay nice. <laughs> yeah i think that talking through the what i've learned with the business too is like one of the questions that was asked as we were well, about a year and a half ago, we wrote our first business plan and I checked that off my list only to find that you're supposed to write, rewrite those every... Update it. Update it a couple times a year. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> no, I wrote that. But then I Done. understood like it's yeah. supposed to be your guide, yeah. your guiding document of what yeah. to do in the next six months or so. <clears throat> and just... Um, what keeps me motivated on the business side is those different buckets between, yes, certainly serving birth clients. To me, serving our staff members and mm -hmm. serving future midwives are just as just as important in the whole in the whole business scope. And so right. I feel very on the hard days, I do feel really good about 
offering employment to our employees, trying to be a place where we can be a teaching facility and creating new midwives for the long term while also offering those client services. I remember one of the first business people we talked to, we went through our local small business associations and we got a free consult with an advisor. (laughs) And, you know, not to like categorize anyone, he was an older gentleman and we're like, well, we're going to present like this birth center plan. Like he's maybe not even going to know what it is. And we ran through our initial plan. He's like, this is a great idea. And then his next sentence was, so you're going to make a model in Cheyenne and then bring it to the rest of Wyoming. Franchise. Franchise this birth center. <laughs> He's like, this is a great idea. And we're like, we appreciate the support. Yeah. Not what was on my radar, right. I think. <laughs> right. Thanks for thinking big for us. <laughs> yes. The thought of that right now is yeah a lot, yeah. but I like yeah. the idea of like, it is true, like, if we figure out what works here, we can take it right. to other places. Because what we've learned too of yeah. talking with other birth centers throughout yeah. the country is we are all reinventing the wheel. Right. And that's one of the biggest problems with the birth center model is that for every state, there's different regulations. For every state, different things have been done. There's our, you know, we're the first ones here. And so pretty much every birth center has had to reinvent that model and like, if you can figure it out, <laughs> bring it to the rest of Wyoming. Because the other thing that Wyoming really needs, we are considered a maternal, maternity health desert, even in Cheyenne, our whole state is. And throughout the country, labor and delivery units are getting right. shut down. Right. And so instead of progressing into the 21st century of birth care, we have horrific maternal mortality rates. We're getting less, we're getting farther away from being able to care for or even wanting to care for um, women who are pregnant. And so this is a, a national problem that birth centers are kind of in a good position to solve. Right, right. So yeah, um, that's kind of all we have for today. Thanks, Allison, for joining me. And nice to reflect on our journey. And laughing at ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, tune yeah, in next thanks, week. Guys. And yeah, thank you.